Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And thanks to Houston Power, Anthony R., and Chris D. for making donations directly to the salon to help offset some of the expenses associated with these podcasts. And I'm also pleased to report that there are now three new saloners who are supporting my Patreon writing project. And these wonderful people are Darren R., Ben H., and Edward D. So, to all of the donors and supporters who are helping to keep these podcasts coming your way each week, I send my thanks and uh, best wishes that you all have a wonderful summer. Or, uh, I guess I should say winter, depending on which side of the equator you're now living on. And since I only have one announcement this week, I'll pass it along now instead of adding my commentary after today's program. And that announcement is one that I've already passed along to my Twitter followers, and it comes in a way of telling you about the new online privacy guide for journalists in 2017. And what if you aren't a journalist, you ask? Well, in this age of tweeting and blogging and other forms of posting your opinions on social media sites, well, you may be well served to take a quick look at this document, which I'll post a link to in today's program notes. Some of the topics that I found both interesting and useful include how to safeguard sensitive information using encryption, secure messaging for communications, how to purchase a secure computer, dealing with the cloud, evading personal tracking, making secure payments, how to become anonymous online, virtual private networks, and securing your email may be some of the items that are of interest to you. Even if you don't think that you need this information right now, I suggest that you go to our program notes for today's podcast, which you'll find at psychedelicsalon.com, and download this important security guide. My guess is that even if you aren't interested in this right now, the time will arrive sooner rather than later when you uh, wish you had this information handy. Now, getting on with today's program, we are again joined by Shauna Holm, who has recorded a recent conversation with another medicine woman, Erin Riviera Merriman. Now, in the most recent podcast from here in the salon, we heard from my friend Matt Palomary, who spoke about his lifelong pursuit of the study of shamanism and how shamanistic principles may be applied to many aspects of one's life, including writing. Now today, while the topic isn't shamanism itself, we again will see how ancient teachings and wisdom can be applied to healing those in need in today's so-called modern world. I think that this is another conversation that will help you get a more complete picture of how plant teachings are making their way back into Western civilization at a time when they're most desperately needed. Now, here's Shauna Holm. Hey everybody, welcome to another interview slash conversation between myself and another medicine woman who I quite admire. And so today I'm going to talk to a woman who I personally know. In fact, she attended a retreat of mine last August, a private retreat. So it's just the two of us. And we really bonded. And, and she is a really special 
woman and what she offers, I think, is just essential. And so here is her bio. Erin Rivera Merriman is an esoteric women's health and plant spirit medicine practitioner, priestess, oracle, artist, and mother. Raised on a 100-acre Christmas tree farm in rural Connecticut, she was taught from a young age the importance of living in harmony with the natural world. Believing strongly in the, in the necessity of hybrid medicine to meet the unique challenges of modern life, Erin is engaged in the continued study of plant medicine, active dreaming, metaphysics, and classical tantra as gateways into the richness of direct personal experience of uncurated reality. Erin's study as an herbalist in the wise woman tradition, combined with her training as a Zen hospice and prison chaplain, and recent studies in the Kuala and Shakta Tantra, have given her a unique ability to accompany you through life's turning points as an ally on your journey toward liberated embodiment. Erin has taught art to Brooklyn teens, volunteered as an interfaith chaplain in maximum security New York City prisons, led women's ceremonial circles, and organized retreats with indigenous teachers since 2007. When not teaching classes or building trans-dimensional mycelial networks that support people in living life outside the matrix, she can be found working on the next episode of her podcast, Starseed's Survival Guide, creating custom ritual jewelry as the moving sea, and facilitating art collaborations and co-creating community with the Spirit Weavers Gathering and Elder Farm. And so, Erin, welcome. Thank you, Shauna. I'm so excited to get to talk with you today. Yeah, I I think this is going to be a treat for the listeners of Psychedelic Salon. I really do. And so let's start with the mushroom because you and I share a, a deep connection to the mushroom teachers and uh and so let's just we'll start there and so how did you find your way to to the mushroom well i always like to begin answering that question with the the preface that i grew up in the 80s on the east coast and was very much a child of the um dare program era and so I really truly was embedded with this mushrooms are drugs and drugs are bad (laughs) (laughs) and you know I really do understand that uh, they were trying to um, help people and help kids say no to pharmaceutical bad drugs, um, and that's totally necessary. But um, the shadow side of that is that people who have incurable chronic illnesses that Western medicine does not have any medicine for um, suffer for decades because they can't follow the call to the plants. So I I couldn't follow that call for a really long time, and I spent kind of decades in my life in pain, and it took many, many, many years of beating my head against the wall of Western medicine, um, trying to find relief before I, you know, broke down enough layers of conditioning to say, there's only like one thing I haven't tried, and that had been ayahuasca at the time. That was what really um, opened 
me to the idea like there's actually there's actually a difference there's drugs and there's medicine and then um after about 10 years of exploring with ayahuasca i had to admit that that journey was very hard on my body also because i have fibromyalgia and um my vessel wants to be treated gently and um around that time of, of realizing that there were invitations to sit with mushrooms that felt safe and felt sacred and with people who I looked at how they were living their lives and they seemed to have found a, a greater level of love and were all as a group kind of committing to aligning with being loving uh, in all of their interactions and so that was the the, the proof or, or the right invitation to me was these people are sitting with the mushroom and they really are they have a vibration um, that feels loving to me and so I started to have very small amounts uh, and after that first circle with these people I would just um, I decided that every solstice and every um, every turning of the wheel of the year, I would go out to the woods by myself and I would just have a, a half a gram and just just sit, just be with the land and with myself. And from the first time that I made that ritual of having a half a gram in the forest by myself and spending the day with myself, my personal process just started picking up so quickly uh 30 minutes into that journey the goddess Kuan Yin came and sat in front of me and said all right I have a job for you like, would you like to be a healer and of course my whole life I thought oh I wish that I could be a healer but I, you know I'm not a healer other people are healers and uh, so, of course, I said, well, yes, but what, what does the job entail? And we, we had an interview. For several hours, we had an interview about what exactly the job description was that she was inviting me into. And I was able to make a, a very informed consent decision, informed consent yes to the extended hand that was offered to me that day um, between the mushrooms and Kuan Yin to enter into a deeper level of um, journeying as a medicine woman. Hmm. That's beautiful. You know, you brought up something. I, I recently also had a conversation with Dr. Rachel Harris, and she wrote a book called Listening to Ayahuasca. And so she is retired now, but she was a therapist for a number of years, a psychotherapist. And, and she was talking about the effects of ayahuasca. And what she pays a great deal of attention to is how does this change you as a person? You know, what happens to your relationships? What, you know, what, how, how are your decisions affected? And so when you were speaking to the kind of people that you noticed who worked it sounds like very respectfully with the, the mushrooms, and you specifically spoke of them as these you know, very loving uh, people. So they sound sort of grounded and, and heart-centered, and, uh, and I just thought that was interesting because it just made me think of, of this as something that you know, Dr. Harris pays close attention to. You know, you're using these medicines. How are they changing you? And then you have this whole piece with, with Kuan Yin, and, and so I'll ask you, because... 
you know, I've been asked this question myself in terms of the mushroom compared to ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, I think we, it's very much you feel the presence of the madre or the grandmother, yes? The interesting thing is I'm a very visual person in regular life mm-hmm. and dreaming and all kinds of different states of consciousness are available to me where I see beautiful visuals like most of the time. But with ayahuasca, I don't have a anthropomorphic experience of the of the of spirits huh. or even a plurality of spirits um it's it feels like a conversation with god but it sounds like a conversation with myself hmm. it there's no then i don't know anyone else who has that same experience <laughs> well that's just so interesting because then with the mushrooms i feel a plurality of teachers yes. in the yes, yes you do too yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it feels like a portal to me into tutelary spirits. And so clearly this is what you encountered uh, on your first journey. And so, okay, well, I'll ask you a question I'm sure Dr. Harris would ask you. And so, so what were the changes that you noted in your, in your life as a result of working with the mushroom in that way? Mm. Well, I would say even from this first day that I'm speaking of, um, I still live with my son's father, although we're not romantically involved anymore. So we have a very unusual relationship. And the first day that I came home from the woods and sat down at the kitchen table, he was like, I like this. I like this medicine for you. (laughs) I I like what this does for you. And, And I... I knew exactly what he meant. I wasn't like, what do you mean? (laughs) I find that growing up with a chronic pain condition, it was very challenging for me to get into my body because Mm -hmm. being in the body meant being in pain. So I had all of my habits of personality uh, and strategies in life involved, you know, going out. And I felt like ayahuasca was like, like, you know, it took me even further out. And that's what I wanted at that time, um, to just find someplace less painful to be. And of course, all of those journeys, I never found anywhere else to be. Uh, (laughs) Eventually, you get turned around and you say, you know what, this body and this planet is all we've got. Hmm. So you've got to get in there and dig in and find a way to make it work. Hmm. And I really have searched. I have just probably tried every healing modality there is and mushrooms truly are have been the bridge into my body where I can um, be present and I, I can use the breath I can use the tools uh, that I've been taught in Zen Buddhism, in Dzogchen meditation, um, all the tools of all the traditions work for me now because I'm in my body. And, um, and the fact that I can go and have this really profound healing journey with myself and really straighten myself out in all the ways that we kind of drift off course for me my mind kind of takes over and the mushroom balances everything so my mind and and my body are working in concert uh, again and then that I can walk in the door four hours later six hours later and sit down and have dinner with my son and be fully present with my family um I've really never found any other practice that that 
didn't require a, a bumpy period of integration hmm. from, you know, being at a certain, like, oh, we all went to this to a vibe level of 100, and now there's this, like, smash back into this reality where people want to know, like, why you didn't scrub the toilet or whatever. Like, somehow that doesn't happen um, with the mushrooms. And then the other piece that's really important to me that, that made me feel like I wanted to commit um, to a period of really just being with this, this medicine um, that I was kind of done experimenting or exploring for a while is that my Ishta Devi, her name is Matangi, that sort of means like who, if you look to Vedic astrology, who governs your lifetime, you know, who's mm. going to be this like umbrella, although you might work with other goddesses or other energies. And she's a, an older, more esoteric form of Sarasvati. And Sarasvati and Matangi are the, they are the, like the throat chakra. And so growing up with this emphasis on the throat chakra, every, you know, but, but he was always like, you talk too much. You talk too much. You talk too much. Hmm. And I spent most of my relationships feeling like, you're right. I'm broken and weird and I talk too much. And, like, I'm going to do my best to talk less. But I'm mostly going to fail and you're going to be mad at me about it. And um, and I'm going to agree with you that there's something wrong with me. And the combination of classical tantric practice which is mostly mantra but mantra of course is is spoken spellcraft with the mushrooms brought this alignment into my throat chakra where i really could feel what was going on when people were saying you're talking too much you're losing me i believe that i was kind of prisming through the dimensions and talking speaking to past present and future aspects of reality and people and that they just felt confused or like they didn't relate because i was 10 or something you know um and i didn't know what was happening either and now i actually feel like i know when i'm channeling i know who's speaking i know how to prevent lower energies from um hijacking my throat chakra and causing me to do damage with my words i i have the mushrooms have given me um, a a little bit of ability to use the tools that I came in with, and I I desire to continue to work with them to really master that tool of the word. Beautiful, and so they have become a part of. It sounds like a deep spiritual practice for you. Definitely. Let's change tack a little bit here and because you you are an esoteric women's health and spirit medicine practitioner and so what is that work explain explain what that is if you will i have a number of of offerings with groups and small groups is really my comfort zone like groups of women from 12 to 15 people um a thing happens that I feel like I understand and everybody values. Um, and out of that, my edge was always like working with people one-on-one. -on -one. I just, I didn't think that I could do it or that it was for me. And then it just started happening. Um, I don't even remember how, maybe with friends, helping friends and word of mouth and sliding scale and occasionally and growing to the point where it's a, 
large part of my practice. Um, so generally, I, I really only, I don't see a lot of people one time. Um, I can do readings, I can do tarot readings, and I can do oracle readings, um, where which are fun, I think. I think there's like... Um, an element of like, wow, that was really exciting. Uh, but generally, if somebody gets a, a tarot reading or an oracle reading, they come back for the for a six week series because they will will say you're really speaking my language, uh, and I feel like you might be a person that could help me with this thing that I haven't been able to find help for elsewhere. So it tends to be people who have tried, feel like they've tried everything and have a, a, a deeper level of trauma that they're ready to, to face. And they just want someone to hold their hand and stand there with them while they turn and face that, that trauma that, you know, other healers have kind of said like, oh, you know, that's not my expertise or we, we don't, we can't go there in this session or in this environment. So um, I will take people out into the woods and we will we'll sit in nature generally. And uh, some people come to my temple here in Ocean Beach, which is a, a more neighborhoody place. Um, and it really is... Um, I guess something like a, a boosted therapy session, but I'm able to take people on journey, deep journeys with my voice and with mm -hmm. my words and access things in people and um, bring things up that they are, when they want to bring them up, when they're ready to excavate some massive ball of trauma is usually when people um, end up at my door. <laughs> okay, and so... I have spoken with uh, different people over the past few years who credit these medicines with the depth work that they are doing with others. Mm -hmm. And so would you say that the mushroom has influenced this, this work you do with people? Absolutely. I feel like that thing I was speaking about where I was like, I'm a group work person. That's mm -hmm. my deal. Um, the shift definitely happened somewhere in that my first year of developing this personal practice with the mushrooms where uh, it gave me this. It, it's like I was able to see um, wh where my boundary is and, and learn that it's much further out there than I thought. <laughs> Because I felt like, oh, I'm a sensitive person and I have a sensitive vessel and I need to like be real. I, I think I babied myself. And so I didn't actually know where my edge was. And um, so once I started working with people and, and people were bringing in like deep trauma and I just I felt kind of um, it, it's, it might sound backward. But so, like people would come with this like a really big trauma piece that in the past would have made me go refer them out, say like, oh no 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 no, no. I, I you know don't have a degree in counseling psychology what have you, um, where I just would feel like I just felt really grounded and happy, and the happy I realized was was if there were words to it, it was I'm in my spot, I'm in my seat in the universe like. 
this is my spot and I can totally be here with this person right now. And, and I feel, and like, I absolutely feel like that is 100% the mushrooms. Like that did not come from any other practice uh, or combination of practices. That just ability to, to, to go into darkness, like to, to go into to the shadow and not just my own shadow, but like once I, once I spent some time really digging around in my own shadow and seeing like there's no evil in there, you know, uh, there's it's just parts that haven't been loved, and then that gave me, and I guess another way of saying that is like I found a deeper level of self love and self acceptance and compassion for myself, and then that gave me the ability to. Um, Go there with other people, too. Well, it's so interesting, Erin, because I always like to say which came first, the shaman (laughs) or the mushroom. (laughs) And it really feels like, you know, that first experience that you had where Kuan Yin came in and so was a a tutelary intelligence and, and essentially announced, this is your path. This is where you're going. And and we're going to work together together on this and and that's very classically you know being called into the the healing arts whether you want to call it being a shaman or a medicine woman or an oracle or a seer right i mean there are many 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 words for this level of 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 work and and so i just i'm curious so if you have someone who is dealing with a trauma because we have so many people you know working with um, dealing with different issues like PTSD and, and, and uh, abuse and whatnot. Could you just maybe speak to how you would work with someone, maybe someone especially who's, who's had a lot of abuse in their background, you know, who comes to you for this, uh, I would say, very out-of-the-box and very essential work that, that you're doing. What does that look like? Well... It's different every time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but there are some similarities. And I would say that I have a really specific um, definition of karma. And so something that the mushrooms love to do is just make all these words interchangeable. Just say, like, call it this, call it this, call it this. And see how they're all the same? Um And so karma, trauma, wound, um, ancestor, demon, uh, untrue belief, to me, in in my work, they're all the same. Um, And so one of the series that I do with people, I call it karma clearing because it gets people in the ballpark of what we're talking about. Um, But I I recently did a, a karma clearing with a woman that had probably the most horrific um, litany of sexual traumas that I had um, ever encountered. Mm -hmm. Uh, And somewhere around this second session, she said to me, like, so are we going to go into the specifics more at some point? (laughs) Um, And she was genuinely curious because she was coming up against an expectation that we would be talking a lot about the specifics of the trauma. Um, And that rarely is indicated in my um, approach or 
set of tools where what I feel ends up happening is I'm able to um, read and narrate back to someone or reflect back to them the nature of their timeless being and at the end of the six weeks, they end up having a, a, some kind of remembrance of all of their thousands of lifetimes worth of wisdom where the, their 50 horrific traumas in this lifetime start to feel kind of small and manageable. Uh, and so we, we weave in and out of the specifics, but always bringing them back into this, this bigger picture. And that's something that I feel like the mushrooms also, it's like a part of their personality to me, is just dilating that, the perspective and, and I will say like prisming back out that we just get contracted around our stories and our experiences and our identities and they just kind of like, like if it's like a wheel that gets cranked down, they kind of can open that back up and allow somebody to feel, um, you know, at the end sh she had said something to the effect of, I, I always felt that there was an unending uh, amount of of healing to do, and that it actually kind of feel like you know what, like I'm okay. Uh, uh, I'm I'm. It doesn't feel like an unending amount uh, now, and which yeah feels like like just a loosening up of the of the perspective and of the the identity that we form around pain or around what didn't work. I'm sure there's lots of different uh, modalities for trauma healing. I have found that within every modality, let's say Ayurveda, there's a small part of it that's dedicated to trauma healing. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding through my work with the mushrooms that the value of somatic experiencing that modality is perhaps the most powerful tool for, um, for really clearing deep trauma, deep PTSD, deep nervous system um, wiring around trauma. And what, for anyone that, that is not familiar with it, it basically kind of means um, you re-experience the trauma in a conscious sacred setting with guides or um, people to help you bring in um, what you needed in that exact moment in order to process it. So I believe that really accesses the inner child or the, the, uh, the soul part that may be split off, um, addresses them directly and their needs directly using some, um, usually it's body work in the same area of the body where perhaps there was trauma. To, so using the body work to reopen the wound and... Um, so the, what the mushrooms have told me is that, you know, we're weaving, we, we're weaving these tapestries with our stories and our, our lives and we, each of our lives has a, there's a picture, you know, there's a design to our tapestry and we feel happy when life is going around, along in that rhythm, weaving it right and trauma is when there's like a big snag or a big ball and our yarn just, you know, makes it um, a hole in the tapestry, but often you'll see 
people just keep weaving. And so, it, uh, so what the mushrooms told me recently was it doesn't matter how many perfect rows you do after that trauma, if you want to feel your full, have access to your full medicine tapestry of tools and gifts and potential in this life, you have to pull them out. You have to go back to that original mm-hmm. place where it went mm-hmm. off and reweave that just wrap the string around exactly the way that it, that it went in go backwards so so um, that sense of going out the way you came in getting out of the trauma the way you came into the trauma you have to orchestrate a reversal of those um, those lessons that you took on and consciously bring in the the right messages so if in that moment the, the, the lesson that you took on was um I'm on my own, I'm not protected in this universe, then perhaps in your somatic experiencing ritual, you bring in everybody you love. You bring in 10 people to sit in a circle around you. And in that moment where you're fully in the trauma again and, you're, and you fire that story, I'm all alone, nobody loves me, I'm not protected, and your 10 closest people wrap themselves around you and hold you and whisper in your ear things that they love and value about you that actually it's like it digs out the little like seed of untruth Mm -hmm. and places a seed of truth in its place Hmm. that sounds really powerful Erin and so you bring other people into this healing experience then at times Um, at times I've found that that the deepest level of of this work is available in communities when in communities where people are um, taking turns uh, holding that space for each other hmm. so there's really a vocabulary about um, what it is that's happening and a lot of trust and then a um, a culture that can can hold you in your vulnerability as you integrate the experience so, yeah, the rotating of, of um, who is sitting in the seat of medicine person and who is in the seat as space holder or um, any number of other roles that could be designed into that um, trauma healing ceremony. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. And so there's ritual, it sounds like, that is a part of this, and community, and and both of which you know, are are kind of hard to come by these days, it seems, in our really fast-paced lifestyle, right? And so that uh, that's very powerful. Wow, beautiful. And so, but you primarily work with women, yes? Yes. Okay. Do you do some work with the guys? You know, uh, I... This is the dialogue in my head. <laughs> Where do I belong? Like, is it my place to be working with men? Um, because I believe that men um, need access to this work as much as women, if not more. Yeah, I would um, say. <laughs> but um, there's, I, I guess I would say women are more open to the journey that I offer mm-hmm. at this time. Mm-hmm. And so... Many, much, much more women show up mm-hmm. and ask for the deeper levels of what's available. And um, there's a thing that happens in a group of women, dependably, um, that doesn't happen if there's even one male 
even a gay male present. Um, I've observed this at every time, every few months or few years, I'll kind of be like, okay, I'll, do, I'll host a co-ed event. And so I've had a lot of opportunity to observe. And, and my thing that I really exist in stewardship of, um, I, I, which is kind of taking women into the depths, we don't get there when there's um, a male present. We can do all kinds of other interesting things and teaching and learning, but we don't get to that level that I can really depend on otherwise. Um, mm -hmm. And so I tend to find that every so often, a couple times a year, a very sincere male will, um, will know how to ask for what... Um, the journeys that that I offer and know how to ask somewhat respectfully and um, so the door is open but the invita invitation seems to not be perceived by men in general at this time <laughs> yeah you know I I think there's a lot to be said for women working with women particularly when they are really trying to heal and men working with men, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and I think there are some really good, uh, male healers out there who are doing some great work with, with men. I have a friend who's involved with the mankind project mm -hmm. and, uh, it's, you know, he, he obviously can't share, you know, the, the, the deeper pieces that, uh, occur when they're together, but, you know, it's really powerful work and it's helped a lot of of men and so can you speak to a little bit more about what that project is because I've heard that passed around but I'm not that familiar with what they're doing uh, it is uh, well they gather in in groups and it's uh, it's about getting rigorously honest and mm. <laughs> you know and and really sharing from the depths and and bottom line having the support of other men around you you know and, and and it's all different ages you know so there is opportunity for i think kind of mentorship there as well and uh and it's just from what my friend tells me you know it has really changed his life and he's watched other men also who you know have been really changed by it and i mean see men having a really hard time in the society and right now with all this cultural marxist nonsense you know the white male has essentially become the new witch and mm -hmm. and i mean he is being blamed for every ill on the planet and uh it's just i'm just incredulous you know when i when i see that plus i do work with a number of men and uh and, you know, my practice is, is different practice, but, you know, they're just getting quite a bad rap. And, uh, you know, there just isn't enough in our culture around uh, mentorship and that really deep healing and, and done so without the use of antidepressants and, and all of these, you know, SSRIs that are just being uh, just given to people handed like candy. You know, and uh, and I think that uh, that gets dangerous at, at times. In any case, Erin, your work just sounds really beautiful, and you know I've been 
reading through your website and, and you know, you and I have discussed this and uh, it's just very, very powerful. But I did want to know, you know, if you ever did any any work with the guys. <laughs> and so I was going to ask you also, I want to ask you about tutelary spirits and the mushroom medicine. And so you mentioned Kuan Yin, and it sounds like, just as I have experienced this as well, that you're in touch with what sounds like a group of teachers, and they really are offering instruction. And would you say also, like directing you to different... Uh, different areas of study because I find that happens for me. Hmm. Let me think about that. When I'm with the medicine, I immediately, I, I become aware of their presence because everything becomes they, you know, <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're saying this, they, they're, they're telling me to ask this question, you know, um, and then that I don't actually need to have ingested the mushroom at this point, and this is how it's been with all of my medicines that I've had a deep journey with, that at some point we really do um, merge vibrationally where they just come in when I'm, you know, if I call the directions, if I called the nature spirits, if I ring the bell and say like, okay, it's on, um, then I get a lot of, of direction where, um, it's hard for me to describe the sensation, but, um, the, the wisdom goddess that I work with that I mentioned, Matangi, um, she is also, um, thought of as the Oracle and the medicine woman. And when I was, considering going into a daily practice with her i was afraid at first because these are fierce goddesses and we don't know them very well in the west so i had my fears um and the night before my um empowerment my transmission ceremony um i dreamed of of being this kind of little street rat kind of a girl who recorded music in her van and had like pins in her face and that that feeling of the pins in my face like it doesn't hurt but it feels like like it's like I've I've given my mouth and my voice to her and to the medicines that she brings into my training so I kind of see her as being the overarching director of the training and that she brought the mushroom to help assist her in her um what she would like to do with me and so i'll be talking to someone and i'll have an idea about what i would like to say and then i'll just feel my mouth like get taken and other words come out and I always have to laugh because they're words that I wouldn't say. And there's sometimes words that I wouldn't say because I'm afraid that I'm going to offend somebody. Um, and that's usually another way that I know that I'm fully um, inhabited by spirit uh, and channeling is that I hear myself saying things that I'm like, oh, shit, um, <laughs> they're going to feel bad. But they don't because they, it's, it's the truth. And so that that also shows me if I had said those words out of context, they would have offended anybody, but they didn't offend the person in that moment because they felt the truth in them and they felt the relief of truth come over them to be able to 
um, get real with themselves or um, get real with themselves in front of another person and be um, held in a compassionate space. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's really interesting, Erin, because what you're describing, of course, to sort of the outside Western socialized world, that's pretty hard to accept. And yet what you are describing is very much the role of uh, that, you know, the wise woman would play often, and uh, she would be connected to some kind of uh, unseen force, whatever it was, the deity or the local spirits, the ancestors, whatever it was, right? And so then her job was to, to, uh, to speak for those, or, or allow those intelligences to, to speak through. And that is uh, dicey territory, because there's a lot of charlatans out there and a lot of sort of silly nonsense. And then there are those, I think of it really almost as being possessed by the muse, you know, where you're in that moment of it's just this pure clarity. And and you do just kind of give over the wheel in that that moment and and that force just comes through and people receive it. Yeah, and then, of course, afterward, as there's, like, a gradual fading back into, like, regular state of consciousness, mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. always a moment where I'm like, oh, shit, what did I say? <laughs> but usually people will um, reflect that it had value to them. So yeah, I yeah. trust. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I see it also as, as showing that, you know, we have the ability to tap in to far more than we even realize. And so most people stay on uh, essentially the surface consciousness, if you will, and most people will stay there the rest of their lives, right? But there are other areas that we can tap. And I see this as a, this is a very ancient, it's not new, and very profound way of engaging nature and those unseen forces and uh, and you form a kind of partnership with with that. So, all right, I want you to talk about kava because another thing you do is create these women's kava ceremonies. And and so, why don't you explain what kava is, and 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 then and then how does that translate into ceremony? Mm, thanks for asking. Yeah. Uh. Kava is my dear friend, and um, kava is a tropical shrub that grows in the Pacific Islands, like Hawaii and Fiji and Vanuatu, and of course, they all love her so much that they'd all like to say that um, they had her first, um, but she tells me that she spontaneously emerged into this realm in a number of places around 3,000 years ago, and um, there's a, a really interesting thing about kava is that it has what's called sterile cultivars, which means it can't propagate itself. It needs us. And that tells us something about um, her teaching, that she really teaches us how to be a, a community. So there's other plants and other teachings that teach us why to be a community, but what we see is a lot of people showing up, very idealistic, very excited, all in to, to be that community, and then very quickly 
getting themselves into these um, wildly complex dynamics and um, tangles of soul ties and then just having almost no tools for straightening them out. And so the communities can kind of explode or implode just as quickly as they're forming. Um, and the reason for that, I believe, is that cultures in the past that had strong bonds of community, I believe, had medicine that taught them how to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we've, we have uh, some missing pieces, in some missing links in the chain, and it's not the end of the world. It's, you know, I had spent a number of years being in great despair about how much had been lost, but I don't actually believe it's lost because it's all in the Akashic Records, and the Akashic Records are, of course, in our bodies. So the ability to tap our intuition and... Um, allow ourselves to know what we know, we can simply ask for the skill that we, as so long as we're aware, that we don't have it. So there's a few steps in there, but one is valuing community, and two is becoming a community, and then three is having the mindfulness to know that you don't know how to be a community, and the humility to pray and ask for the skill. And medicine, in general, um... They kind of also educate you as to how to hold them and how to how to create the ritual. You know, we didn't just pull that stuff out of nowhere. Uh, so each of those rituals um, was gifted to us by the medicine itself for how she would like us to to work with her and engage her. And so kava is really wonderful gateway into all of that experiencing of learning directly from plants, experiencing of being in deep healing prayerful spaces with the people that you buy gas from or, or buy milk from uh, and watch their kids and um, that it's, it's really beautiful medicine that I think is coming in at this time in a bigger way along with cacao because we don't have a culture that really knows how to hold medicine but we do know that we need it mm -hmm. um, and those are two that they're legal um, that you can buy them in the grocery store so there's a lot less fear around them but they're no less powerful so they are the ideal gateway medicines to me where you can have a fully medicinal experience of healing, of communicating with other realms and other beings um, without all the fear, all the great expense to travel somewhere exotic. Um, there, and you stay more or less in your body. So the, the information is a lot easier to integrate. Um, and kava within all of that very specifically teaches us how to talk to one another how to communicate that it tells me that we're really not communicating most of the time and we don't even know it we're that far off mm -hmm. we have no idea that we're not communicating that we're not understanding the words we're not taking the time to question our assumptions um and so it um he she it whatever you would like to refer to them as um, they slow everything down just enough to realize um, when someone else says something with kava I will hear I will hear it three or four different ways 
I, and I will be delighted and amused rather than terrified and confused by that. I will just think, wow, did you mean this? Or did you mean this? Or did you mean this? And also be aware that I would have never even asked the question in the past. So she's trained me to um, listen differently and speak differently. And I believe that those are the skills we're, we're most needing right now. Well, it, it sounds like it slows you down so so that you can really listen rather than, you know, where, and I do this, you know, where we sort of rush, 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 you know, to the point where we are really, you're right, not really hearing each other. To be honest, I'm terribly bad at that. I'm a quadruple Aries, so uh-huh. there's a great deal of, of velocity yep. behind my process, and it, you know, historically, I have not been the greatest listener in social settings. Hmm. Hmm. But with Kava, yes, it sounds When like. I make the intention to be in um, ritual space or healing space and I call upon all my capacities, then I have increasingly greater access to that ability to slow down and pay attention to what's actually going on. And I think that's really the... the um, the most psychedelic thing is just being able to pay attention to reality. <laughs> yeah. But Kava is not a psychedelic. No. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> this is always one of the, the main questions people ask um, when they're coming into the space is like, uh, are we going to get high? And, you know, <laughs> technically, no, it's not. But when I speak with people who are really experts in this medicine and cultivating it, um, I have heard that uh, basically the, ac- the quote active ingredients in kava are called kava lactones and um, there's like 15 or 17 of them and they, they all do very different things in the brain and there's the cultivating of kava is an art, not a science. There's no way to control which cavalactones end up in which plant and in what amounts. And so um, apparently, and, you know, this was a story that was told to me, but the there's one kind that is only for the queen of Hawaii. She's the only one that gets to drink it. And regular kava is kind of a woody shrub, brown, big green, shiny, heart-shaped leaves. And this one is black and hairy and sticky and totally psychedelic. And the queen drinks it every day. Wait, wait, wait. Who's the queen? (laughs) Uh, uh, In Hawaii, in a certain aspect of Hawaiian culture. So this was this was a story that was okay. was told to me, okay. and so I haven't seen this kava. I have <laughs> not. Uh, I you know I cannot promise you um, that there is a psychedelic kava, but I I'm also someone who will say like I think that all plants are are really pretty psychedelic. I think plants are really groovy and really trippy, and that they're they're tripping all the time, and that <laughs> I think you can be you can get pretty. Um, altered from a good meal of cooked dark dark leafy greens um you can get pretty altered from and intoxicated from 
the aromas of flowers. So I think the plants are always there. They're always all the way there, and that we are varying degrees of able to meet them there. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have to shift our state of consciousness because you're not yeah. going to greet a tree in the same way you're going to greet, you know, your friends at work or whatever, you know. <laughs> I mean, you have and, to until share. until you do, and, and right, until right. you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, why don't as long as we're talking about plants, why don't you talk about the Bridge Temple Nature Hospital? Mm. What's going on with that? Well, thank you for asking. I'm I'm really excited. Um, so one of of the branches of my business is called Bridge Temple, which was the the space and container that held the Kava ceremonies, the Women's Moon Lodge, um, all kinds of women's group healing work. And for over a year, women would come every month for Moon Lodge, and one or two or three of the women would just break down crying, just saying the same thing. Can I interrupt for a sec? Will you just let the listeners know what a Moon Lodge is? Because not everybody speaks that language. Okay, Um, so there's an idea. I mean, in our culture, the shorthand is like, you can gather on the moon and make intentions, and um, you'll be amazed at how they come true when you gather on the moon and and share them with other people. But, of course, that is not a moon lodge. Um, That you can do it, and it's great, and there's nothing wrong with with just holding it in that way because it's absolutely true. You gather with women on the moon and make intentions, and they will come true um, in their own way. But um, Moon Lodge, for me, is um, it's more connected to the red tent, and, of course, if you know anything about the red tent, you will hear in history... Um, books that this culture or that culture they really found the female menstrual cycle uh, very distasteful so they would banish the women to these red tents during their menstrual cycle and then of course the women's side of the story is (laughs) very different is we were very respected in our culture and we were life was respected and we were allowed to go and just be with our our sacred power time and um, that was where songs were shared and that's where uh, women learned about their bodies and their abilities to give life and sexuality and plants when they were all bleeding together um, and hanging out in these these alt- natural altered states uh, for three or four days. Um, and so the Moon Lodge now, because we, you know, we, we have artificial light, which alters our menstrual cycles, so we don't all bleed at the same time as a village, and it is, um, so it can't really be that, um, that we still gather on the moon and um, be in the deep mysteries of the body and cycles of life and death and educate um each other in feminine mysteries yeah beautiful beautiful i love i love that so you host moon lodges erin 
that is one of my most long-standing things that I started doing with a friend of mine when we lived in Brooklyn mm. in apartments, and we were like, let's make a ladies' book club, and then it just morphed. Mm. It, it morphed in, like, a month into, it. like, as soon as we made the space, we got the next set of instructions, and it really, my, I have been holding Moon Lodge for over 10 years now, and uh, um, I sat in some moon lodges with my herbalist teacher, Susan Weed, um, but I never received any formal training in that. Um, I sat with Susan after I had already been doing that. And, you know, over the years, the more that I've, I've been able to sit with different teachers and traditions, all of my elders and teachers that have, have been in that space have you know, completely endorse the work that happens there. And that, to me, is kind of the proof, like, there is an ancient record of how to do that work that, you know, can, can be accessed and downloaded um, if you have the, the karmas to be doing that work. <laughs> you know, I'm struck, Erin, by how you are talking earlier about how the mushroom has actually brought you really into your body. It's it's really taking you to a place where you're you're very much embodied, and then this other level of the work that you offer, where it is, uh, I think, a reclaiming of the cycles of of the body, and in this case, the cycles of a, a, a woman's body, and this is no small thing at this time because there are you know look i have two teenage daughters and they you know they're not interested in any of this stuff and and they don't they're athletes they they hate having their period you know and 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 then there's uh all these girls now i'll tell you the new thing here is take the pill not for birth control but offering it to these 15 16 year old girls and younger as a way to offset their uh, menstrual cycle or to, you know, balance their menstrual cycle or, or whatever it is. And so they're, you know, it's messing robbing with them mind. of their initiations. Right, 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 right. And and then also there are other uh, uh, pharmaceuticals that these women can take to stop their menses altogether. Mm-hmm. And so your work is really, this is a very important piece. Oh, yes, this, I, I do get the the benefit of getting to be around the people who do care about this stuff so it's good to not lose touch with the fact that a a huge percentage of women are still very much um at war with their cycle and resisting the their um their natural feminine initiations yeah well you know the the commercial society that we live in doesn't make it easy it just doesn't make it easy for for women and then all these girls involved in athletics as well and so anyway yeah that's a- so to reconnect you were saying okay i gotta stop you and ask about the moon lodge but yeah. people were coming to moon lodge and breaking down and crying and just saying like i i know what i need uh-huh. i just can't i can't get it uh-huh. i just want to go the fuck outside and mm-hmm. i can't i'm in my car i'm in the, my at my desk mm-hmm. I'm spoken for and supposed to be somewhere doing something every second of the day and so I 
I actually feel like I kind of rounded up all these prayers and I was like, your prayers are my prayers too. So let's do this. And I needed to take some time off of doing the monthly moon lodge to just say like, I don't have the answer for this group right now. I need to go really deep within myself to find the answer to this because I believe this is the, the, um, the right diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, we fa- we need we can stop um, digging around and and exploring. I think we found the problem, and now I need to go in search of of the medicine. And that actually coming to see you is part of that. I didn't know that's what I was doing. That's hindsight. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I need another level of being able to just be like in in the depths. Um, and I just you know, I wanted someone to to be the lifeguard on duty for me to go into a level that I hadn't accessed before uh, and yeah. so you were elected by the universe <laughs> to be my lifeguard on duty and um so I definitely you know credit our time t- together with with the beginnings of um of feeling like I was getting a, a formula right which was this um moving the temple um to a a farm where uh, a beautiful friend of mine, Carrie Lou Arnold, was doing really similar work. She was doing red tents in the middle of nowhere in the mountains and getting like 40 women with their children, with their teenage daughters. So the hunger for the work in those kind of communities, um, you know, I, I would get 15 people if I tried really hard. And she like didn't have a website, wasn't, you know, promoting these things. Um and so we kind of joined forces and she was like, I really want, like, I feel like the land wants more women and more magic and teachers to come here. And, and I was like, and all my women and magic and teachers want to just be outside more. So let's do this. And we just dove in really deep from the beginning, from kind of the, the get go. It felt uh, like an arranged marriage by spirit that we have been deeply pleased with how um, harmoniously it has been working out. But it's been about a year that we've been planning and I've been working um, behind the scenes to create a structure of a business around um, being able to be there so that we don't have to leave and we don't have to be online as much. And, um, and that basically the last year of my life has been a lot of talks and a lot of reaching out to communities and being out in the world in my hope that this year makes a billboard with a bunch of little lights around it that says, Aaron, it went that way. And <laughs> that, so if anyone needs anything that I have to offer, they will know where to find me and that I can just um, be in the portal, really. Just sit in the portal um, and... I feel healthy there and other people say the same thing. So I'm like, I found a place that people feel healthy when they come here. So I'm going to invite as many people, I'm going to invite people to come here and um, see for themselves that nature heals Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, just learn how to milk goats and grow food and all the things that she's doing as a homesteader. And yeah. Oh, Uh, try this other way of life that we're all salivating about and we know is the answer and we just don't like know like can we do it how do we do it you know it's like well no we can't do it alone so find somebody to dive in with find a buddy and dive in and let's just do this (laughs) yeah 
Beautiful. I love the name Bridge Temple Nature Hospital. That's just, it's great. And and you're right. Oh, gosh, more people are seeking that out, are desiring to leave the city, leave their boring corporate job as a corporate wage slave, <laughs> you know, and, and get back in touch with the land. And so I'm heartened to hear you know, that you're working that closely with nature and, and that you partnered with this lovely woman and, and that you are drawing, you know, so many of these, these women and, and bringing their children. That's huge. Now, you are also doing a, a mandala green magic apprenticeship. And, and I want you to speak a little bit about that because I know I'm going to be a guest teacher at some point. And, so you and, want the dirt? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what well, am I getting is, into? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, <laughs> but this is so great. And, and again, you know, it's out of the box, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and so essential, so essential. I feel like, you know, I feel I've apprenticed myself to the mushroom and it guides my work. And of course, I recognize the same as is occurring with you, you know? So. Very much. So, you know, back to that, you know, first year of practice that I was talking about where Kuan Yin came and sat with me, then this, the second time that I practiced in that way, the first thing that happened was, she said, she said so where's your year-long apprenticeship? <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and, and she was like, oh, you didn't like put all the you didn't put the pieces together yet like we, we thought you got we thought you understood that that's what you're supposed to be doing like okay deep sigh like go you have your assignment for the next season like go home and like write your curriculum and like come back and check in with us next season uh, and i didn't actually you know <laughs> i was like um uh no I can't do that. Like, I, I, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. Um, but it just continued to happen. Um, and so I, I, and I began to feel a sort of just distaste for some of the three-hour workshops that had been my format, you know, a three-hour ceremonial workshop once or twice or three times a month, it would be over and I would just feel like very dissatisfied um, that everyone just went home and um, who knows how it lands with them. Um, and so I was just getting this message like people really need time to just like, you know, you take a few hours to get into this depth and then people just want to like they need to stay there like they need to stay there and regenerate and heal and work out their like forgiveness issues and their like heal their broken hearts and all these things before we can start practicing magic together um and, which is what i think the spirits really want you know i don't actually think that they just want to be in like a endless car wash of like you know washing us, uh, us off and washing us off and washing us <laughs> off um, I think they're like, you know, what we would really like is to spend a little while doing that and then get to to play with you in the mm -hmm. sacred garden mm -hmm. as, as you know, we're all here, nature spirits, some of you in bodies, some of us not in bodies, like we have so much to show you, but like, God, the endless amount of, of healing, the truckloads of healing you come in the door with, um, and I'm the same way, we just, we live 
in such a way that we accumulate a lot and we take on a lot. So um, the apprenticeship is, it's a green magic apprenticeship. It's a spirit medicine apprenticeship. And it is a plant spirit medicine apprenticeship, but I really... I feel in the end that for me it's really spirit medicine that the spirits do the healing and how you access them is your own preference um, and I happen to have had plants be that gateway for me but it's not it's important for me to like kind of make sure that that's understood um, that there's better apprenticeships for people who really want to know everything about the plants and all their properties. The archetype that guides my work with the plants is very much like the old woman that, you know, lives in the woods by herself and everybody that comes, she heals them with a little twig of rosemary because her relationship to the rosemary is just that deep that it will do anything for her and it will do anything for her clients. Um, So I will be introducing people to the plants that have been the most um, potent teachers and guides for me and then um, then bringing in all the pieces honestly a lot of my path has been with coyote teachers my deepest teachers have been rather dramatic experiences with <laughs> and traumatic experiences that I needed a lot of healing to integrate um, and I walked away with a truckload of what not to do. <laughs> and so I never got a lot of instructions on what to do. That's my own, like, sort of creative um, prerogative, I guess. But I have a lot that I'm, um, I guess, attempting to balance out in terms of what I know that seekers are receiving out there um, around power imbalances, power dynamics, and... Um, just, you know, getting some degree of, of um, beat up by their experiences of questing, um, questing a different way of being. And so it will be plant medicine teachings, we'll do botany, we'll do some medicine making, but really a lot of, of the ritual, the ceremony, the how to communicate respectfully with all beings people, plants. Um, so the communication piece it will be a big part. It's it's fifth dimensional communications. It is. That's what they tell me. And the, so there'll be a lot of fifth dimensional communication training. And then there'll be a lot of nutrition, a lot of nutrition plants, a lot of preventative medicine with plants um, and uh, food sadhana, meaning like practicing with food to prepare the body to have these um, wilder, deeper, more profound, direct experiences with spirit and have them not shred our delicate, fried nervous systems. Hmm. Hmm. Good point. Good. So, I, you know, I brought you in um, because you've been one of my most um, inspiring and um, course-correcting teachers in the realm of nutrition Mm -hmm. and really just shown me that there's different ways of eating for different kinds of beings and the way that this vessel and this path um, 
needs to be fed, it's another level of nourishment than, than we're being taught or offered. Mm-hmm. And that we have to take responsibility for that ourselves. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. You know, this, it feels like it needs to eventually morph into a book, Erin. <laughs> Thank you for that encouragement. Yeah, we'll just plant that seed and uh, see oh. what wants to happen. So, well, listen, this has been just great talking with you. And, and I'm just, I'm really excited for the work you're doing. And, and I can't thank you enough, you know, for listening to the mushroom, (laughs) you know, and putting yourself out there, because it's not easy to do. And also, you are a mother. And so this is another piece. And, you know, I, I, have said before, <laughs> you know, the medicine women, the medicine women that you would find in cultures all around the world were not pampered gurus, you know, they had children and, and, uh, uh, you know, a house to care for, land to care for. And yet, at the same time, you know, they had this incredible medicine that they offered to their community. And so I see you doing just that. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, so thank you. Any any final piece uh, you want to share before we wrap this up? The one is when you said, you know, this very outside the box, there was, I felt a little ripple go through my, my inner, um, a whisper go through the inner council that was like, oh, there's something here around this idea of in the box, out of the box. And who this is for truly is people who, they never got in the box to begin with. And they may or may not be empowered about that choice. They may have tried to get in the box, and the box would not have them. Uh, But um, it's it's another place to be beside the box, and another way to be, um, and another plane of being that is beyond the, you know, the X and Y axis. And... The other piece that they really wanted me to say is just um, that something the mushrooms really want people to know at this time um, is that a lot of the, like, gosh, how do we get here? Why is it so bad? Why aren't we doing more? Like, why aren't we, like, shrugging off these oppressive systems? Why are we just sitting there, like, letting it happen? It's just that we're collectively so filled with accumulated traumas of... um, of our journey of gaining consciousness, you know, we're gaining consciousness of ways that we have traumatized each other and ourselves, and you know, there's just this, oh, fuck. Um, and that there's a little bit of, a, of, a, of shame and self-loathing, that, and those feelings freeze us. So those feelings are actually, like, freezing our evolutionary process and what the mushroom really wants me to say is like come on it's gonna be fun like there's so much resistance to how much healing work because this idea that healing work is heavy and deep and intense and there'll be lots of tears and reliving of trauma and the mushrooms are like no 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 like trauma healing is sexy (laughs) trauma healing is fun you don't like you're looking at it from the outside in and we just promise you that um, that just a little surrender to the journey and we'll show you right away like we're going to laugh a lot we're going to eat delicious foods like 
it's going to be fun. You like we're mm. going to have a great time. Mm. <laughs> well, beautiful. And and you know, that is something that I have noticed is really sadly lacking in our culture and that is joy. And that's what it sounds like you are speaking to that the mushrooms are calling us to a kind of joy that for the most part, you know, we've lost touch with and and I have also noticed that so much of the suffering on our planet is unnecessary so much of it you know (sighs) so so yeah well Erin thank you so much for all your wisdom and uh oh and and so your website how can people find you so a website is called activeculturefamily.com and that's an umbrella of all of the different creative workings um, that I'm up to, including the Nature Hospital and Bridge Temple and the podcast and some artisan handmaids. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, and this was great. I totally enjoyed every minute. Thank you. You've passed me some powerful tools and I intend to put them to really good use and um, hand them out to anyone that would hold them respectfully and sincerely seek them. So I'm so blessed to have connected with you in this life. Oh, thank you, Erin. Thank you so much. And for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends.